back to episode of Knowledge and Accessibility with me, Kiana Washington, where we talk about all things financial literacy and all things Kiana. So on today's episode, we have Agent K, Kirk Jr. Um, he is one of the most profound licensed insurance brokers here in Chicago, Illinois. I have done a ton of business with him. He has been with a lot of elite real estate professionals over the entire Chicago land. Um, and we wanted to bring him on today just to go into the nitty gritty of exactly what the process is when you are acquiring homeowners insurance as that first time home buyer. Kurt? Well, first, thanks for having me, Kiana. Absolutely. Uh, so the question is, how do you obtain insurance for homeowners insurance? Well, who are you? You know, well, let the people I'm know I'm Agent who you are. K. I'm also known as Kurt Gregory Jr. I'm second generation insurance agent. That's how I got into it. Uh, I didn't want to go against the green. It happened to maybe about junior year in college when I used to come home for the summer and the winter breaks and I worked for my father. And then I started thinking about how much money I would make. You know, once I graduated with the degree I had, I was in school for communication with a minor in business at that time. And then the numbers just didn't match up. You know, I was talking to my friends. I was, I was in school and I'm like, how much you plan on making? They're like, oh, 80, 60,000. I'm like, that's cool, but that ain't enough. So then I asked my dad, like, Pops, man, how much you making? Man, he sent me a 1099 and I seen those numbers. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is what I need to be doing. So uh, five years, well, six years later, I'm here. I'm the number one African-American insurance agent out of my company, out of 3,500 agents nationwide, and I'm the youngest. So uh, I'm just happy to be here to help educate people, not only about homeowners insurance, but all their insurance needs because people need to be properly protected. Absolutely. And that's why I'm here. Okay, so there we have it. Now that explains exactly why you show up the way you show up. I can remember when I first met you, um, we were at uh, the Savvy Brokers Real Estate Convention oh, yeah. here in Chicago that's held every year. Um, and I just was like, who is this guy? Like, he is really captivating the room. And normally that's me. That's what mm -hmm. I do. I captivate the room. So to see it, I just was like, okay. And I just wanted to learn exactly what you did. And so when I learned, like, you was an insurance broker, I was like, okay, this is someone that I need to connect with, especially with being in my expertise within a mortgage industry. Um, so one of the main questions that I always hear, well, that my clients for say, they always want to know what's the difference between a homeowner's insurance and your PMI or MIP. Okay. So PMI is with the mortgage. Um, I don't do anything with that. You probably better explain that. But on the home insurance side, once you sign your name on a dotted line, if anything happens or anything happens to structure the home, that's when insurance comes to play. So if you had a housewarming and your cousin Ray Ray slip on a banana, they can <laughs> legally sue you. We have a coverage for that's called liability insurance. Right. If somebody, the house catches on fire, the structure's damaged, well, homeowners insurance will take care of that for you. Okay, so it's in... So just to kind of enlighten everyone uh -huh. on the difference from PMI and IMP, right? So... Uh -huh. By law in the state of Illinois, you are not required to have homeowners insurance when you're purchasing for your first home or when you're acquiring property overall. Right. However, the mortgage company or the lender that, that's representing you, they're mm -hmm. going to require that you have that private mortgage insurance or you have that mortgage insurance premium if it's an FHA loan. Mm -hmm. But we heavily emphasize on... Um, providing individuals with that information to really get these homeowner policies because as you mentioned it can be small incidents you know that individuals do not care to be liable for myself um for an example right uh -huh. i think you saw it you was like you need to get with me on that so yeah. um in my office winter months it was crazy we had one of those cold weeks mm -hmm. 
and all the pipes burst it. Yeah. All the pipes burst it. The crazy part about it is I had insurance when I first occupied the space, mm -hmm. but the insurance that the rental agent required us to get was actually for residential. Mm -hmm. However, I'm a commercial space. So at first I was in a frenzy, like, oh my God, my stuff is not going to be covered. But I had that business insurance and that business insurance over my business was still able to kind of cover all the mishaps. How important is it for business owners to obtain business insurance? It's very important because first of all, it protects your liability and the structure that you're renting or you own like yourself. Sump pump and sewage backup coverage is a very important coverage but it's not a basic coverage it's an add-on so your insurance agent has to add that on okay um with business insurance though it's a little different than homeowners insurance because if you're renting a space and you have business insurance some of those things like you're insuring the, the structure that you're renting so if you had a busted pipe you have coverage for that automatically but for homeowners insurance it's an add-on or called an endorsement um I want to go back to what you were talking about. The state doesn't require you to have homeowner's insurance. Okay. Only the bank does. Because don't nobody care about you, to oh. be honest with you. The bank only care about themselves. They only care about the loan that they're giving to you is protected. So if their investment is destroyed, they want to make sure that they can get that money back when you rebuild it so they can keep paying you. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have a mortgage anymore, you're right. The state doesn't require you to do that. Mm -hmm. But the state does require you to have like auto insurance because they want to protect themselves. But... Again, don't nobody care about you, but your insurance agent or the people who are closest to you. But that's why the bank requires you to have homeowners insurance just to protect themselves, not you. And I, so you just really touched on something. Um, that was the most broadest statement and easiest way to put it. Yeah. Because we're not a state that requires you to have homeowners insurance, you know, we do get to look at it in a broader aspect. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's black and white. They obviously do not care about... Um, the intellectuals, you know, or, you know, the, the money that the people are putting into these properties. And so if you have not acquired homeowner insurance, I am definitely going to advocate and say that Agent K is someone you want to get with or your local insurance provider, because it's very essential. It's essential for home, auto and life. Let's talk about life. Huh? What's your take on term and whole? Because a lot of people don't know the difference. Right. I actually have both policies. Okay, that's good. You're smart. I mean, you're probably educated by somebody. Uh, they're both important. I want to say either one is more important than the other. Mm -hmm. I would say life insurance is situational. You know, term insurance is the cheapest, but you can only insure yourself for a certain amount of time, up to 30 years with Country Financial and Agent K. So it's the cheapest, right? Right. So term insurance, well, we're not going to say the cheapest. We're going to say more affordable, more affordable or more feasible, right? right? For right. the person to acquire. Correct. Mm -hmm. However, because it's more feasible, we're able to get a bigger amount of coverage. Correct. Right. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't you advise your clients to really kind of look and seek into both? Because it doesn't take over 100,000 to bury you. Right. You know, unless you're just looking for some super extravagant. And some people are because this is the times are when, right. you know, right. funerals are kind of like the biggest celebration that we're seeing. And it's. Yep. It's, you know, it's, it's everybody have their different views on it, but I don't feel like it's going to take more than 100000 to bear, not even close to 100000 I don't see that it's going to take more than sixty or seventy um for my burial expenses right. and, you know, ex what my expertise would be within, not expertise, I'm sorry, what my requirements would be. Mm -hmm. I don't see that it would take more than 70000 So what I did was for my term, it's 25 years, and I do plan to renew it every cycle. Mm -hmm. But I have 
million dollar policies under mm -hmm. my term. Mm -hmm. And then under my whole, my policies are about two, three hundred thousand because I feel like that's enough money at that point for my family to bury me and pay for whatever expenses that I have remaining. And then that term that I'm going to renew and renew, that's the money that's going to go to my children. See, it's, it's situational. You know, you know your situation. Uh, I'm glad you have both. But the thing is, it's yes, an equation. So I have to ask you, what kind of funeral would you like to have? Uh, how many properties do you have? How much mortgage do you owe? Because you all know some of your families and friends or the people that you leave and things from, they can't afford it. So you want to leave that lump sum for them. It's either in term or whole life. Uh, we also have a term where when you outlive the product, you get all your money back. A lot of people don't have that. So they're just mm -hmm. spending their money. And then once when they outlive it, they don't have it anymore. So that's something different that makes us different. Um, but to go back to what you're saying, it's an equation. Every equation is different. Everybody needs a different amount of life insurance. And it depends on what your budget is. It's determined if you want to put more in whole, more in life, because whole life is permanent. And it has some mechanisms in there that term doesn't have, for instance, a borrowing mechanism. Uh, I like to talk about the Rothschild banking system, where the rich, they've been using the system to make themselves their own bank, for one, to eliminate the middleman. So you don't have to go to the bank to get a loan. You go to your whole life insurance to do that. And when you're getting a loan, you can sell them, I have whole life, and they can consider that as an asset. So it adds more buying power to what you already have. Um, and then with whole life, once you borrow that money, yeah, you had an option of paying it back. But when you pay it back, you got to pay interest, but you're paying yourself back. So that's how you make yourself your own bank. So it's situational what you want to do financially. Um, if you want to just take care of the debt, sometimes people like to do the term because they know they don't have that debt forever. But if they want to take us to the next level, like you're talking about and what the episode and your, your show is talking about financial literacy, whole life is the thing to go. OK, so give us the blueprint. OK, so you're telling us whole life is, in your opinion, is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Give us the blueprint. What does that look like? How are we actually bridging the gap when it comes to generational wealth based on these policies that we were acquiring? OK, OK. Uh, so what you do is it's a living and a death benefit. So the living benefit, again, is if, hey, you have a business you want to fund, you have an investment you want to get into a property, you can pull from that. Tax-free. And the government can't touch it, by the way, either. Like, they can't see it. It's how Samuel well, O.J. Simpson, is O.J. Simpson? Somebody uh, had a whole life insurance, and the government couldn't touch it because it was protected. But with the living benefit, you have your own bank. You're on your own bank at that point. You can borrow from it, put it back however you want. But on the death benefit, of course, if something happens to you, it pays out to your family. But the blueprint really is just what's your monthly budget that you're comfortable with? What do you want to happen? What do you want to leave? And you got to know your needs and your wants and just be educated because like I said, it's an equation. I'll ask you what kind of funeral you like, what kind of education or schooling you want your kids or grandkids or needs and nephews to have the opportunity to attend because let's be real. Not everybody going to school anymore. I was even thinking right. about, don't want to promote my kids to go to college like my parents did because I'm realizing being an entrepreneur is way better and more impactful. So those are the conversations that you have. The blueprint is just having the right conversation with the right person. Okay. So I want to go back. You just you just said something that mm -hmm. just sparked a whole nother conversation for mm -hmm. us. Right. You stated that you don't know if you want to actually encourage your children um, to go to college because right. we know that this entrepreneur thing is kind of more impactful mm -hmm. within life. And we're actually able to obtain more wealth mm -hmm. in some cases as being entrepreneurs. Yeah. However, not everyone has that wit to be the entrepreneur. So yeah. um. I have a 16-year-old son. He'll be 17 literally in 24 days. 
Oh, wow. Happy and birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, <laughs> Keontae. <laughs> so we were initially, when he was going into high school, we was talking about colleges. We mm -hmm. was talking about colleges up until sophomore year. Mm -hmm. And that conversation began to dread out. And at first, of course, naturally as a parent, I was upset because I wanted my son to be able to more so go to college, get that experience, take up a major. At least you have that education portion behind you. Mm -hmm. However, being an entrepreneur these last seven, eight years, I can honestly say that I have to be honest with myself. And I'm kind of on the same fence with you. Like mm -hmm. I'm not pressuring um, for college any longer. Um, we had the conversation just last week and I was saying like, hey, maybe you should just go to get the experience and the party. And he was like, I don't have to go to college just to have an experience to party. He's more so into trade. So he's already within an entrepreneur mindset. His gift for his 18th birthday, and I make sure that I don't watch this episode, <laughs> but um, one of his gifts that we're working on for his uh -huh. 18th birthday is going to be getting him a either a box truck or a semi truck, depending on exactly how serious he begins to show us that he's about. That's a great gift. Yeah. Um, even with my five-year-old, he just have this entrepreneur spirit already. He told me the other day he wants to be a rich man. And I said, well, what is a rich man? <laughs> and he said someone that has a lot of money to be able to take care of their family. So I'm definitely with you. Um, I do believe that education is important. I do believe gaining experience in the work field is important because my experience came from going to school, whether it was online, in person, um, community college, I did universities. I was able to get a lot of knowledge and just being within diverse communities um, to where I was able to obtain different things, right? Um, also working in corporate America, that was the biggest blessing, working in corporate America. Yeah. Though, absolutely. I never did a corporate job before. So <laughs> for me, I, I obtained more of my experience in corporate America. I'm glad you keep saying that um, experiences. That's what I got. That's why I'm on the fence because I don't think I would promote my kids to go to college, but I knew that's where I got my, that's where I learned I was a hustler at, in college. You know, it took me to be in my junior, sophomore year to understand I didn't have any money. You know what I'm saying? My dad wouldn't give me no money. He's like, you got a job out there. Then I learned about the importance of network. You know, having certain ladies that was cool with me doing my homework, the, <laughs> get the get the answer to the test from the football and the basketball players on on, on campus, uh, being president of three to four organizations on campus, and none of them had funding, so I had to figure out ways how to bring in money and exposure to bring more members to those organizations. So, I would say uh, it's just that's why I'm on the fence. I don't know because I knew I need those experiences. And your son said that, but it's different partying in Chicago versus partying in a college town. I'll Absolutely. say that once definitely because. Absolutely. Back to network, I was partying with Indians, Jews, Hispanics. I would have been partying with them in Chicago like I was partying with them out there. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like, my next door neighbors were, uh, it was a two-bedroom, and it was eight Indians living in there. And it was all in there becoming doctors. I wouldn't have got that experience in Chicago. And now I'm cool with I can call them. A lot of them are my clients now, but they didn't have nothing. Uh -huh. And I had to see that. That was an experience for me. You know what I'm saying? They can't call home like I could have so when I'm beginning my freshman year. Then my dad put the plug like, no, you got to be a man and figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Those are the kind of experience I say you can't get at home because no. I have to learn, figure out how to do my own laundry <laughs> and cook for myself. Now you're supposed to do how to do that laundry before no, you got to college. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm a guy I wasn't really good at that. But uh, those are the kind of things I think, you know, you kind of experience when you leave home. So that's why I like, I don't know to be honest with you, but you hit on a lot of things, you know, 
experience being corporate America. You know, I didn't have those experiences because I only worked at KFC and Dinah Hall before I but came no, out. But no, that's considered to be corporate America. Yeah, I thought corporate America, like you wear a suit and tie. No, and so, so. and then we were, so the misconception, uh-huh. KFC is a big what? It's a corporation. Okay. Get, so corporate America does not just tie into um, you're working in these fancy companies and you mm-hmm. have to wear suit and tie. Corporate mm-hmm. America means that you're working for a bigger corporation um, and whatever your job description may be, it can be custodial, it can be customer service. You're working in corporate America. Okay. You're abiding by the corporation. You're abiding by their, their HR policy and their <laughs> rules. You're working corporate America. We were just having this conversation um, with one of the seminars that I was speaking at and we were talking about small businesses. And we all reform to as small business owners or we operate a small business. Right. But we get so discouraged and we kind of shy away from saying we're a small business or we don't. To me, our culture, we do not pride enough with being a small business. And the reason that I'm saying that we don't pride enough on being a small business is because we feel as if we're tiny and we're really smaller on the map. But it's our small businesses that's actually putting more money into these communities. It's Mm -hmm. our small businesses that's opening up um, opportunities for other people to obtain revenue. So for me, a small business does not mean that I'm tiny. It just means that I'm not a bigger corporation. When you walk and you see your local J&J's, that's right. a small business. Mm-hmm. That shark's chicken that we eat on the weekends, that's a small business. They may have a bigger franchise, but that particular business owner, mm-hmm. that's a small business owner that's operating that company. So, um, yeah, cor- corporate America is it's just a big corporation. And I have worked, my first job, I was 16, I worked at McDonald's. Okay. How was that? I got, that was where I got all my experience from. Yeah. I learned how to deal with customers. I learned how to deal with different personalities. Um, I learned me. Yeah. For real. I learned me. Like, I knew at that point that I was making, it began to be a point that I was just making a paycheck. Mm -hmm. But if I was going to come and show up with that uniform on and leave and slip on the floors when it's time to leave after cleaning up and fry grease, (laughs) I was going to do it with pride and dignity. Mm -hmm. But I also knew that that was not where I wanted to end. So I obtained my paycheck. I continued to go to school. Um, 18 years old, I was working with the park district full time. I'm not a kid person. (laughs) Only your own kids, right? Barely. (laughs) (laughs) Barely. I am not a kid person, and I was a rec leader full time. Mm -hmm. So I went from being a rec leader seasonal to full time. And I was 18. By the time I turned 20, Mm -hmm. I was out the door. I had not stopped going to school. Um, I was in school for criminal justice. And, uh, you want to be a cop? No, I wanted to actually be a probation officer. So I thought. Okay. So I thought I did an intern um, at the juvenile detention center and mm-hmm. was like, I don't, I'm not good with kids. you know so Uh literally obtaining these different experiences Mm -hmm. I was beginning to for real learn me and learn my do's my don'ts my likes Mm -hmm. um 20 years old I was working at a mortgage company and I had not turned back since then Mm -hmm. so even when I was working as a legal assistant in law firms it was residential mortgage and what haven't you done 
<laughs> I'm learning things on the show. I didn't even know about you. Okay. Yeah. So I can literally say that all of my, um, everything that I'm doing now and everything that's coming to forth for me now is actually from prior experience. Um, and I can just say they were some of the best experience because like I said, I began to learn me, but I knew that working in these corporate America positions was not my end goal. You know, initially as a kid, I went in and was like, hey, I'm on my own law firm. I wanted to be a lawyer. I did too um, at one point. <laughs> school burnt me out. Yeah. School burnt me out. Literally, I am probably a few credits shy yeah. from having my paralegal degree. Well, I don't have my degree. You see how I got through college. I was cheating. <laughs> I learn more outside the classroom than in the classroom, to be honest with you. So that piece of paper, you really don't need it because I make more money than I would have if I got the piece of paper. And I agree um, in, my, in my case. But, you mm. know, we do have people that go out to after bigger career, mm -hmm. right? So um, for them, you know, they're making substantial amount of money. But I do compare myself to some of these nurse practitioners, some of these doctors, and we're looking at their pay, and I'm like, Man, I made 90000 my first six months when I opened up my exactly. office. And I was slanging credit. Man. You know, so um, I, I do definitely use those comparisons yeah. majority of the time. And that, that kind of motivates me to let me know that I didn't fail as mm -hmm. a person because I did not go after what my initial goal and dream was. Mm -hmm. But it just let me know that I was destined for something bigger. And my purpose on earth was to give the world something more than just being within that one position. So I'm, I'm happy about it. I'm excited about it. I'm glad you it. said purpose because, and you said something else, you knew yourself. You started learning yourself. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know themselves. That's why they can't take that leap of faith and go to the next level. Because a lot of people, we get, the men upstairs, I don't know who you call them, you know, call him Jesus, Allah, whatever. But he gives you ideas in your head. Sometimes he gives it to you in your sleep, you be in the shower. And people don't know themselves or they don't have to confidence themselves to go pursue those ideas. Because those ideas might make them a millionaire, might mm -hmm. help them make a billionaire or give other people's job. But nobody knows themselves enough they can take that leap of faith. So I'm glad you said that because I'm proud of you because a lot of people don't know that about Thank themselves. You. Thank you. Yeah. It's this saying that says we're all millionaires. It's just that we have to go out and get it. Absolutely. I when I saw that saying, I was like, wow, mm -hmm. that was kind of one of the most powerful things I had seen, because in my opinion, we all have access to wealth. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm not going to go into deep into this, but um, wealth is on the land. What do we live? Exactly. We live on the land. So in my opinion, um, it comes from a lack of education. Mm -hmm. It comes from laziness. Sometimes it comes from entitlement. So you don't always have to have a lack of not mm -hmm. to obtain it, but a lot of people feel entitled. They feel as if people are to give them things in order for them to make their way through life. So um, it's, it's a lot of different components as to why a lot of people are not obtaining the wealth. Right. Um, but that's what you and I are here for, and that's why we're providing them with knowledge and accessibility in a pursuit of any goal that they're trying to uh, obtain. So, you know, that's what K&A stands for. Have you heard for. of the saying <laughs> that the richest part on earth is the grave? Yes. And you know why then, right? Yeah, because we're going to – they get – no, 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 I so don't. So the reason – Hold on, wait. Yeah. Those were all I was finna, that's why I looked at you because I'm like, wait, you just said that to me. But we got to cut that part because I don't want to say yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to just say no. And then I want you to Explain make the it. same. Yes, okay, I because I want the people to know. That's yeah. why I'm like, wait a minute. She said so this all the time. We know where to edit now. 
Okay. Yeah, take that part out. So okay. I'm going to go back. I want you to Explain go back that. in and say, okay. ask me that question. And I'm going to say, no, I haven't. You know, whatever, whatever. I got you. <laughs> go and take your sip of the coffee. Get some coffee. Get some go coffee. ahead. I'm going to Okay. Are right, you ready? We is <laughs> too cold. You gotta come back on. Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, um, we gotta we gotta do some episodes, episodes. But have you ever heard of the saying the the richest part in the world is in the graveyard? I have not. Enlighten me. Uh, the reason being is because those are where all the unwritten books are, all the unpursued ideas, the businesses that never opened up and never pursued because people never pursued them. They didn't know themselves. They didn't have the confidence or. It's really themselves. You can't blame nobody else like you were saying earlier, you know. It's all within you. That's why I always tell people sometimes you just got to have that conversation in the mirror with yourself or in the mirror, the shower, whatever the case may be because he'll talk to you and you got to be able to listen. And he, he puts things in your head for a reason. You just got to pursue him. I've read a book that said that you get four good ideas a year, but people typically only pursue only one. So, uh, man, just believe in yourself and go after it because it's in your head. And that goes with wealth, financial literacy, what you want to be, whatever. In my I opinion. agree. I agree. Um, that was that was very uh, that was a very powerful statement. Thank I would have never thought that that's what you were gonna you know that that was the singing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that makes sense though. We think about how many people that we lose, and when we're losing that individual, you, you're right. We're losing not only the soul, but we're losing a sound mind and body. Exactly. So um, yeah, that's that's definitely. You just put something on my mind with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons as to why we need to start implementing what it is that we want out of life now. I don't feel as if there is no uh, deadline until until it's our time to leave Earth. Mm-hmm. And so I hear a lot of people that say um, they're too old to go back to school or they're too old to go back into entrepreneurship. They're not paying attention. But to me, <laughs> what they're doing is they're trying to they're what they're doing is they're discouraging themselves. So outside of discouraging yourself, they're they're not allowing their mind to make conscious decisions and they're providing themselves with excuses. Mm-hmm. And I had a fifth grade teacher um, that used to say excuses amount to anything. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that stuck with me. And so I never provided myself with excuses, even the times when I was taking ills, because everything wasn't a win. Right. right. Yeah, you got to take it. But I don't call them losses. I just call them lessons. So even when I was taking these lessons, right, that did not necessarily turn into a win, I never provided myself with an excuse and said, well, this didn't work because of this wasn't in place or this didn't work because I couldn't show up in this manner. Mm -hmm. I more so always looked at it as this didn't work and this is what I need to do in order to move forward, in order for it to work Mm -hmm. with the next go round. So, um yeah, I think today's episode was really based upon providing yourself with enough grace to say that you want to learn in these different industries. Um, learn exactly what the next access line to your wealth is going to be, whether that's going to be within real estate. But definitely make sure that you're going to um, obtain homeowner's insurance. <laughs> If you are looking to become a homeowner, um, life insurance is so prudent. I don't feel as if it should be a soul that walks the earth that does not have 
life insurance, whether it's a minimum policy, at least have something in place, if not just for your family, but for your burial expenses. You deserve that. You have been wonderful here on earth while you're on earth. So be able to have um, a nice home going for yourself. So what's something else that's going on in your world? Oh, well, uh, I'm raffling off six Beyonce tickets. July what? 22nd. We'll be at Soldier Field. And uh, it's going to be an experience. Fans? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so it's going to be an experience with me. I don't pay for everything. So one of those tickets are mine. Of course. Okay. Of course, I'll of be course. at the Beyonce concert. <laughs> uh, how you enter yourself is you refer people to more interests that you have. And that's for people to get insurance, quote, for home, auto, life, commercial, and business insurance. Uh, your name will be pulled out and you'll be on an experience with me. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to enjoy the show. July 22nd. So today, you guys, um, I want to just mention this. I have given one of the biggest referrals because he is on the podcast. The podcast is being streamed on all major platforms, Pandora, Apple Music, iHeart, you name it. So You're I everywhere. do I'm, on, I'm, on, <laughs> I'm everywhere. So I just gave you one of the biggest referrals, right? Yes, you did. I'm claiming one of those tickets. So let's go ahead and say he has five tickets <laughs> remaining right? for the raffle for the Renaissance concert. Um, if you are interested in enter, entering for that raffle, um, you can definitely find him on Instagram, Agent K. Refer him, your family, your friends, your coworkers, just your son, your daughter, whoever. Refer him if you're looking for car insurance, home. life insurance, home. What Business, else? Commercial. And just mention Kiana's name. I'm going to ask you the question, but just so uh, you heard, you saw this on the podcast. And then uh, we go from there. Okay, five tickets. Y'all know y'all want to see B because I can't wait. We're going to be, we're going to do a recording now. Okay. I told y'all, mention him, mention me, <laughs> get with him, claim those tickets. Y'all know they was giving a code for Beyonce tickets. Um, The code that I received. They were giving the, the, codes? Yeah. Oh, I if you code, was with Citibank, <laughs> how? Oh, how did you, what you went through, a third party? No, I went to uh, Stub tickets Stub or something Hub? like that. Yeah, StubHub. And they were selling them? Yeah, they were selling them. I called them kind of earlier, though. Okay, see, I thought this was like they was making it like it was so exclusive. You had to no, wait until you, you got a cold. No, you just had to pay. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, well, pay. there you have it. A free Beyonce ticket. Um, Yeah, claim it. It's five left. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, though. No um, you definitely dropped a lot of gems. Um, we needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. The people needed to hear that. And I know it's a, other people that speaking and touching on these topics. But mm -hmm. one of the things is I feel as if we need to hear it multiple times. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody is not relatable. But to hear it multiple times, I think, would definitely um, help to start bridging that gap mm -hmm. within our culture in general. Because the more we hear it and see it, the more people will actually adapt to it. So we're definitely going to touch base on this topic more than once. Okay. So you'll definitely be back. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just going to be always more so educating the people and giving the people something to leave with. Mm -hmm, Do you have any questions for me? Uh, no, you kind of answered them because I think when you said people aren't always relatable, but we became relatable during this episode because you told them your story. Uh -huh. You know, where you come from, working at McDonald's. So somebody, all those people that's at McDonald's right now, they can relate. Like, oh, Kiana made it this far. She started where I'm at. So mm -hmm. those are the things, you know, that I, I don't have any questions because you just answered all because I didn't know that much about you, to be honest <laughs> with you. I knew you was a hustler, but I didn't know, you know, I knew it was a background story to it because everybody has a story to it, but I didn't know that story. So it's like we got a lot more in common than you think that yeah. I knew. So, and that was the only yeah. part of it. That was that was the soft part of it. Like, oh, man, rough times, rough times. But um, 
I'm just happy to be within my position. And like I said, it was more so of learning who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, I found myself actually trying to reform more into social media than mm-hmm. me. Okay. Like, literally, I, I watched myself become, well, try to become this it girl and um, engage with this big social audience. But mm-hmm. it was like paying me no money. All it gave me was attention. Mm-hmm. But what was the money at? Mm-hmm. It was none there. Right. So it's like sometimes I look at these uh, Instagram influencers and I just be like, and what? What's next? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So get your money by all means. But mm-hmm. if there is no type of um, wealth or any type of finances behind it, I just kind of mm-hmm. feel like it's pointless when it comes to showing up for the people. Like it's okay to show up for the people, but – Show up for the people in a way that where it's going to be impactful. Mm-hmm. And with a lot of these influencers, I'm not really seeing an impact. I'm right. not. And so I just decided to rebrand myself. I originally was going by Caramel Cake on Instagram. You couldn't tell me. What? Real? Blind I can hair? see Caramel Cake. Yeah. yeah what? I, can see that. I was Caramel Cake all day. Like, I'm I, glad you didn't do it, though. I, I like your name now. <laughs> I like your name. Because I think it's something different. Caramel Cake, you selling cake or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, so I used to go by Caramel Cake, and you couldn't tell me that that wasn't my name. I lived by that. Um, a lot of people used to address me in public as, caramel cake and like you know i was i was that girl right wow you still are very much i'm that woman i'm a ceo now right, right, it's right, a difference right. you're right let me you correct know what myself. i'm saying yeah. so it's, it's yes, a difference ma'am. it's a difference <laughs> at the time i was trying to be that girl uh-huh. right uh-huh. um but i i wasn't i was losing myself i was losing myself trying to be that girl it was not bringing any type of revenue it had no meaning so what was that turning point for you that turning point um I want to say it just came with time. Mm-hmm. It came with time. Um, I I haven't thought about exactly what made me do it. I just did it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. I just did it. Well, really what it was is I was never that person. Mm-hmm. I was pretending to uh, be. Okay. I was pretending to be. And so once I acknowledged that I was pretending and that's not who I was, I was like, hey, Kiana, you have to stop. This is not really who you are. Like, this is not what you wanted to become. You know, you're destined for something greater. And so it goes back into what we were originally talking about, knowing yourself, finding yourself, understanding what your purpose is. And we hear this slogan every day on social media. I'm working in my purpose. I'm working in my alignment. But do you know yourself while you're working in purpose and alignment? And so I think that was kind of one of the gifts that I was able to um, take on with my entrepreneurial journey was, I, not only did I know my purpose, but I knew myself. And so um, I just decided that one day I was going to get up and I was going to rebrand. And mm-hmm. I was like, I can't do caramel cake anymore because the people are not going to take me serious. Mm-hmm. And I'm serious about what I'm doing. I want, the pe- <laughs> I want the people to know who I am. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel as if I can be a voice mm-hmm. for my culture, for this generation, because it's not enough people that's speaking out, and I knew that I was relatable. I was relatable because I come from a hood. I come from a single family home. I was a teen mom. I didn't realize I was a teen mom until we was at the Savvy and Broker um, Convention. For real? I promise you. Okay, you never thought I about didn't, it. I never thought about right. it. I never thought about it because I did not hold on to that and say, or parade around or use that as mm-hmm. my motive for having a lack of. Right. I was a teen mom. No, I had a baby at 
18. I knew what the consequences of being actively sexual, active, uh, what can happen. I decided to move forward with the pregnancy. At that point, I became more responsible. Mm. So I didn't use the clutch of I was a teen mom. But the reality, I was really a teen mom. Mm. I was 18, 19, going to work, had my own apartment. Um, but I wasn't just working and living for myself. I was working and living for that newborn baby that I had. And so I never, I just never looked at it as I was a teen mom until I got to hearing everybody that was the panelist. And it was like, oh, I had a baby at 19. And I was like... Yeah, I did too. Right. You know, like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, for some people it's different because mm -hmm. some people actually experience a struggle. I had a phenomenal support system. Um, so I think that that, I know for a fact, not I think, I know for a fact that that uh, contributed to me being able to move forward and continue with working and education and therefore, so not to stump on anybody's story about being a teen mom, but I didn't realize I was a teen mom until I was at that convention. You know, where I do I met have a at. question now. Okay. Uh, what's your dream? What's your end goal? See, we started, we talked about the beginning. What's your vision of the end? My end goal at this current moment is to um, create wealth. Okay. And so my original end goal was to be known as one of the biggest mortgage brokers here in Chicago, Illinois. Okay. When I say I did my homework, it was nice to where I didn't go to sleep until 3 o'clock in the morning. I was back up at 7 because mm -hmm. I was searching and I was trying to see who my competitors were. You know, people say, oh, well, I don't care about competitors. I only care about what's in front of me. I care about my competitors. Um, mm -hmm. Not only do I care about my competitors, I want to see who's the best in the industry. Absolutely. Because I only want to stand next to the best or beyond or above. So I did my research. I tried to find different people that was here in Chicago. I did find one company um, – I don't believe that she's still active. She's an older lady. Mm -hmm. I don't believe she's still active, but I have not had success with reaching out to her because I like to get up and close to personal Absolutely. with the people, right? Yep. Um, I haven't had success with reaching out to her, mm -hmm. but my original goal was to be known as one of the biggest mortgage brokerages here because my license was a very big deal, not only for me, but for my family. Um, it's I not was, easy getting your mortgage broken license oh, at all. No, it's not easy. No, I've heard the horror stories. No, the horror <laughs> stories. What? So for me, it was a lot different. Mm -hmm. I was working federal, under federal. Okay. And so federal state. Need one, really. Federal okay. state licensing, when you're working for banks, you're not required to have that state licensing. Mm -hmm. So because you're working under the federal depository. Mm -hmm. And I was used to working under that particular authority. However, um, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to just say it. I was the black face at this big company. And not that there's anything wrong with being a black face because we do need people that's going to educate our culture, it. right? right. Mm -hmm. However, um, this particular bank that I was working for, they were ready to give me my own branch. So I was going to have my own branch. And I was like, oh, that was that was big. That's you. My family was excited. My mom, she's one of my biggest supporters, my dad, before he passed. But Sorry to hear that. Thank you. Um I was just like, man, we're, we're doing this. Like, you know, we're breaking generational curse because that's all my grandmother has embedded. Break generational curse. You're going to be the person that do it. Um, so I was excited and I was about to go along with it. And then they told me that I had to close K&A. Mm. And I just was like, no. Because that was my mecca. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So for me, that was, um, that's my generational legacy. Mm. K&A. So for you to say that I'm, I have to close it in order mm -hmm. to continue to work for your company, 
I'm too smart for that. So I got in my books and I figured out exactly how to open up my own mortgage company. And I'm li- I'm licensed as the Illinois residential mortgage company, but I just use the term brokerage because it's savvy. Right. So for me, um, that license is a really, really big deal. And that was my initial end goal. Mm-hmm. However, working within mortgages, um, and this goes back to what we've been talking about right. the last 30 minutes, knowing my purpose, mm-hmm. my purpose does not end there. That is not my end goal. That is not where my story ends. Um, Being able to provide my family with a broad band of generational wealth and legacy is my end goal. I'm in restaurant. Mm -hmm. I'll be opening. Well, I have a food truck. Yep, I I did the food truck. So every year I try to give myself something like really savvy for a birthday gift Mm -hmm. outside of like jewelry, cars and clothes. Mm Um, I want something that's going to be meaningful, that's going to be long-term. So we did the food truck. I'm not going to lie. That is hard. It's hard. Slanking food is hard. It is. I did not know um, because it's a lot different from cooking in the kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. So you're cooking in the kitchen and... We cater parties. Me and my mom, we do all the barbecues, holidays. Thanksgiving, I'm probably cooking 12, 15 items. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm cooking enough for 30, 40 people. So cooking in a large quantity was easy. Mm-hmm. But you had to remember you're cooking in a large quantity in your service and a public. Mm-hmm. So it's different from friends and family that's yeah. coming to your house. These are strangers. Um, yeah, it, it, it was it's hard work. It's hard work. I'm hiring, by the way. But yeah, it's hard work. So what I've taking orders to do, as well. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So what we're doing is um we're opening up a storefront for What a Potato. So we'll have that storefront coming this year, 2023. Probably this summer. Thank you. But our newest business venture, we just partnered with some family um and we have a restaurant that's coming to the South Loop area. Okay. A big that's restaurant. My neck of the woods. Okay. Yeah, I know I, you'll be at the grand opening. But we have a restaurant coming to the South Loop area. So my focus have kind of been more so within a restaurant. So for me, um, the end goal is just wealth. Mm-hmm. It's wealth in general. Um, so whether that's within restaurant, mortgage, I'm doing an HBCU tour right now. So where we're going to different universities and I'm speaking about financial literacy. Mm -hmm. So more so just educating the people about how to become. Um, I like to use myself as a walking, talking definition to say that if I can make it, you can make it too. Absolutely. And so that's my my end goal is just is showing up. You know what the beauty is of being an entrepreneur is that restaurant business and mortgage, whatever you decide to do, you can intertwine them together Absolutely. so they work together. Because if you got a restaurant, of course, all your mortgage business is going to be all in the bathrooms. On a, you don't have a, a retractable band in there somewhat. Then you have, you let, utilize that as a leverage for having home buying seminars. And the food, of course, is going to be your food. You can talk to real say, hey, use my catering company. You get a discount. Can I nurture that relationship? Any sense mm-hmm. you deal. So that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur because creativity is no limit. Absolutely. What can we expect from you? Or tell us more about um, what's your end goal? Um, like you, I want to be the best insurance agent in the city of Chicago. And then I'm going to take it over the nation. Okay. I'm going to have AGK everywhere. Uh, yeah, because you stay branded up. <laughs> I, I don't think I have ever saw you without anything that represented Agent K as far as like clothing-wise. Yeah, so I mean... I took that pivoting point when uh my marketing manager told me to go down to Atlanta to go see the Circle of CEOs event. I think that was maybe two, three years ago. And all of them had their own brand on. They were talking about, you know, 
if you really, really want to get it, you should have your brand on. This is the Balenciaga, the Gucci. You know, I'm like, I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't need to wear anybody else's stuff. I wear my own stuff. And it's just, that was the beauty of that. But uh, my end goal is to have 100 doors, um, make a million dollars a year, and I can sit down, enjoy my grandkids, uh, have a penthouse somewhere downtown, and um, just probably educate people about the insurance and tell people and show people, like you were saying, your walking definition, that you can do whatever you want. But it starts mm-hmm. in your mind. And that conversation, like you said, when you had that pivoting point, where you say you was faking it, you had that conversation in a mirror with yourself. So I just want to promote people having that conversation because only one stopping you is you. Absolutely. You said, you just said something. You said have a hundred doors. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what you mean. Oh. But tell the people what do you mean. So I want to have, uh, so my dad's in real estate as well, but I want to have a hundred properties that's paying me rent. A minimum of $1,000, so that's $100,000 a month. And that's $1.2 million a year. Uh, that's my goal. Once I reach that, I feel like, you know, I probably, when I reach that, I probably won't get more, but for right now, that's the goal. But a hundred doors equals a hundred people paying me rent once a month tomorrow. <laughs> Cause it's the first of the month tomorrow. <laughs> so with a hundred doors, um, and we can definitely have a, a runoff conversation about that, but there's a great program out called the DSER debt service coverage ratio to where, okay. um, although you do qualify, you know, on mm-hmm. paper, but if you did not want to consider your finances, right, to qualify for these multi-units, um, these courtway buildings, right, for these bigger portions of real estate, I do believe that program would be very beneficial. And so basically what that program does is if you do not have um, qualifying employment on paper or if you do not have um, tax returns, if you don't have necessarily the covered amount for your closing costs or down payment, what that program does is they will allow for you to take the rental income that's projected mm. to come in from that uh, building. If it's two units, three <clears throat> units, they will allow for you to take that rental income. And as long as that rental income is 1.5 over the percent of what you're projected principal and interest, which is your mortgage payment, then you qualify. Oh, I'm glad you told me that. Yeah, so I'm not hearing enough people talk about it. I right. had just did a, um, I posted some information about it, but mm-hmm. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it. The thing is, um, you do, so there is a down payment. So the mm-hmm. closing cost is, you know, you can use grant funding. They have the CHIP grant that's out for the people that's here in Chicago, Illinois right now. Okay. So you can use grant funding for it for like your closing costs, but your down payment is 20%. Okay. And so when we think about 20% on 450000 a lot of people can't find that as being a feasible number. But then that's what we partner at. You know, and we see other cultures do it all the time. And so with these big projects that they're having, they're not going in single. They're going in with what they call investors. So you can even acquire an angel investor, which means that that's someone that you may not know or someone you have no relationship with. And they decide they want to go ahead and invest and they're going to receive a return on their investment. So it's so many ways to do it. So it's funny you said 100 doors because I'm about to sell my two unit. And I'm selling it because it's a lot of equity. And so I'm able to pull from that. And I'm going to use that as my down payment to obtain at least seven to ten doors at one time. time. And so we also know that there's an additional program Mm -hmm. in Chicago to where if you're buying in these opportunity zones, Mm -hmm. City of Chicago will provide you with a grant 
to put into the opportunity zone, but it also has to have some sport um, form of commercial real estate attached. Okay. That makes sense. But here it is. That's about 10, 15 doors right, right. there. At one location because uh, I see yeah. my dad driving around to see Chicago service and different furnaces. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. I'd rather go to a, a property that got 30 doors in it and I service those couple furnaces in that one location. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. So like um, it's it's a lot of opportunity. And it's, like you said, it starts with networking. Mm-hmm. Networking. And education. Education. Um, not meaning that you have to go to college to obtain that education, but educating yourself within certain fields, certain topics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and getting in the rooms, you cannot discourage yourself to get in these rooms and make these connections with the people that you want to be like. My biggest thing is don't put me in a room and don't partner partner me with anyone or I, I'm not going to allow myself mm-hmm. to be in these rooms or partner with anyone that's not doing better than me. Mm-hmm. Why? Want to be the weakest link? Why? Exactly. Why? And don't just be in a room. Actually, do something. Don't be do in a room just to eat and drink all their liquor. <laughs> <laughs> just be be there to connect, to have a conversation, yeah. and hand out your business card and ask them. Because a lot of people I see in rooms, they just sitting and looking cute and just not saying anything. Or just or just want to have the leverage to say they was in that room. Right. Right. You know, we see a lot of it because a lot of people are conforming to what social media or Instagram in general is requiring for them to do. Mm-hmm. Take the pictures, show up, show the aesthetics. All of that is fine. But what did what was your takeaway? Mm-hmm. And I'm big on takeaways. So, yeah, that's actually how we was able to connect. Right. We was Absolutely. in these big rooms and I was not as afraid to ask, hey, who are you? What do you do? Exactly. You know, this is who I am. This is what I do. So, um yeah, I only want to be in contact with people that's going to make some sort of difference in my life and that's going to continue to help me elevate because I'm destined for greatness. And so I only want to be surrounded around individuals that have that same outcome. Y'all heard what she said, y'all? She said, I'm destined for greatness. Say that to yourself in the mirror every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you guys because I see that we're going to go on and on. But um, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure, though. Yeah, like, we're going to do this again, most definitely. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I think the people definitely needed to hear this. And it's what I really enjoyed about this episode is it's male and female. Mm-hmm. And so we're sharing perspective from mm-hmm. different sides of it, right? Mm-hmm. And even though our industries are kind of one and the same, but just to give our point of views and our experience, you know, shows the people that we're a little more relatable than they may have thought. So, again, thank you guys for tuning in to everything Kiana on Knowledge and Accessibility Podcast. And thank you, Agent K, for coming on. Oh, no problem. <laughs>